discussing the commodities markets, what's happening and why. We talk to the experts, the traders, the investors, and the companies they're investing in. You're listening to Commodity Watch Radio with Dominic Frisbee. Hello and welcome to Commodity Watch Radio. I'm Dominic Frisbee and in today's programme I talk to Ralph Shearing of Soho Resources about his company, their latest drill results and his strategy as they move forward. Also on the show, Dr. Bub is back, recently returned from Malaysia with news of the property market over there and his latest take on the junior mining sector. A reminder that nothing you hear in this program constitutes advice to buy or sell anything. It's just an expression of opinion only. And a reminder that companies do pay a fee to appear on the show. Not a lot, but without that fee, we wouldn't have a show. So, let's crack on with the show. Commodity Watch Radio at Mindsight.com Soho Resources are a junior mining company exploring for gold and other metals in Mexico. They trade on the TSX under the ticker symbol SOH. They have a market cap of around $17 million. Their year high was about 70 cents and their year low 16, which is, well, they're just above that level today. They've just released some drill results and there are plenty more to come over the coming months. I'm talking now to their president and CEO, Ralph Shearing, who you may remember was on the show with Jim Rogers just over a year back. Ralph, welcome back to the show. Um, Why don't we start with a quick overview of Soho and then tell us about the significance of these results that you've just released. Yes, sure, Dominic. Thank you for inviting me back to the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, Soho Resource Corporation is a junior exploration company exploring a polymetallic uh, deposit in the Sierra Madre mountain range in northwestern Durango, Mexico. Uh, We have quite a large land package. We've been exploring the project for about four years on an ongoing basis with the last two years uh, accomplishing a lot of drilling and have recently released our first initial resource report which is not which is 43101 compliant. Excellent good stuff and to tell us about the content of, uh, of your resource what have you got? Well, basically our resource is, is reasonably robust resource. We have uh, the engineers have calculated 6.4 million tons of rock, grading approximately 1.34 grams gold, 31 grams silver, and a strong base metal component with uh, lead, zinc, and copper. It looks like the the value of the project is probably 40 to 45 percent precious metals, and the balance would be in the base metal component. Excellent. And I mean, how real a chance have you got of of turning this into a mine? Well, in my opinion, I, I'm convinced that this is going to be a mine, and the question is going to be, is, it, is there a chance for any open-pit-style, uh, low-cost mining? And primarily, this will be an underground mine, but there is the possibility that there could be some open-pit potential for the first year or two on the project. But that really remains to be seen. The engineers are going to have to have a look at it, because we are in quite rugged uh, topography, lots of rugged country, so that's something the engineers will have to study very hard. And uh, w- what's your strategy going forward? Are you looking to kind of develop this and get taken out, or do you want to mine it yourselves? As a little junior company, we have to continue to push this project towards a production decision. 
Um, having said that, we will look at any opportunities that are presented to ourselves and our shareholders uh, on an ongoing basis as they come in. And so if that means there is a an offer from another company to try to take Soho out, we would look at that and make recommendations based on that offer and what it means to our shareholders. There is also the, uh, the possibility or potential opportunity of joint venture in a project such as ours to you know, mid-tier to larger mining companies that recognize the potential and can recognize, like us, a long-term underground mining situation on this project. Do you think a major gold miner would be interested? I mean, you mentioned a resource of about 200,000 ounces of gold. Is that something that would interest a major mining company? Well, absolutely, and especially in that we have just touched the surface of this project. I mean, all of our exploration and drilling where this resource has recently been calculated is reasonably shallow. The drill, it's all from small drills, so we're, we aren't drilling down to depth on it at this point in time. We have long structures. The resource has been calculated on one particular structure. There's actually three that have contributed to the resource, but one in particular is around two and a half, approaching three kilometers long. And there's still a lot of drilling to do along that structure, both down dip and filling in the gaps along strike. So we have an exploration program that's underway. It's, it's running very smoothly and efficiently this year. We've completed about 41 holes since the beginning of of the exploration program in 2008. And to put that into perspective, last year we completed 75 holes and we had a little difficulty in our program in the last half of last year, but this year it's working great. And so we expect to be able to add to this initial resource on an ongoing basis from the drill holes and the results we'll be bringing to market throughout this year. So what's the timing of future news, if you like? Uh, well, I think it'll be an ongoing basis. We are working towards issuing a press release again next week with drill results. Um, and then you could probably consider, you know, every four to six weeks after that is a reasonable time frame for news releases in this current exploration market. And do, do you know what the news is next week already? I mean, is, is it is it good news? I don't have all of the results, but the results I have, yes, we have uh, we have good news coming out. Excellent. Well, good stuff. Now, um, I mean, you mentioned problems last year. I know one problem that's faced many of the mining companies that have interviewed on this show is that um, there have been huge delays in the labs getting assay results out, and there have been problems with drill rigs. And one of the ways that an exploration company keeps investors interested is by that steady stream of news, and it's been hard to keep that news flow going. Is that, is that something that's affected you? Uh, well, yes, it has. Like I said, last year we had, we had a slowdown in the program. We lost our drilling contractor. I think it's, lost isn't a, it's a, isn't a fair statement. He finished off, the drilling contractor finished off his contract with 18,000 meters and chose not to renew the contract with us. So we replaced that drilling contractor with another drilling contractor that was a little slow in their production, and we have recently... Uh, brought in a very capable, competent drill contractor, Falcon Drilling, and they are doing a, a wonderful job and have brought our production rate up to where we want to see it. I see. So and these that, are the guys that have got you 45 holes so far this year. That's correct. Now, Excellent. they haven't drilled them all, but they, they've drilled the majority of them. I see. Now, um, I mean, one of the problems with, with this market is that gold and silver have gone up massively since August, and junior exploration companies have gone 
gone down. They've sold off when gold and silver have gone down, and they haven't gone up when gold and silver have gone up. They've they've traded basically like junior financial stocks. Um, do you have a comment on that? Uh, yes, it's a it's a frustrating comment. It's one that all of us little junior companies are sharing right now. There is a total disconnect in the price of metals, both short-term and long-term projections on the metal uh, sector with the way the junior stocks are trading. It, it's a total disconnect and it's very frustrating for us junior companies because it doesn't allow us to portray or, or get our true value realized in the market. So uh, very frustrating. Um, we we as an industry uh, fight with it. Um, we, I guess myself, I believe it's all related to the difficulties in the U.S. and the subprime mortgage uh, fiascos and all of the very or the great deal of losses that the financial institutions have been experiencing over the last year. So I think that has really dampened the, the appetite for stocks in general and, and especially for junior exploration companies. Uh, having said that, markets never stay static or the same forever, and sooner or later there is going to be a, a correction in the junior stocks. There will be a recognition of the values that are coming in them for, for companies that have good solid uh, resources and projects of merit, uh, which definitely ours is one. So I believe there will be a, a strong correction in the juniors um, sometime in the future, and I hope it's the near future. Okay, how much cash have you got, and, and what's your cash burn rate at the moment? Uh, we have just around the $2 million mark in cash right now. Our burn rate is around the six hundred seven hundred thousand dollar rate dollar mark so we are going through cash or we are per trying to raise six hundred thousand dollars per month per month okay that's yeah. a lot of drilling yes we've been very well you can see the, the progress we've been making with the holes we've got down so we have around 40 holes drilled so far this year um the project is going very very well we will be going back to the market in the next couple of months to raise money um we're well along in that process um we have the ability to to potentially fund with some partner industry style partners on an equity basis only, um, or going back into the market and doing some private placements through some brokerage firms. Okay, and presumably you want to get the share price up before you raise some money. Well, that's that's the goal of our management team is to try to continue to bring results out and get. We're starting a fairly aggressive marketing campaign at this point. We're doing shows, doing. Going, traveling to Toronto and Europe to visit institutions and try to get people interested in our stock to attempt to get the stock price up. I know this is a long way away, but just uh, in terms of your the site that you have, your property, what would the cost of building a mine be? What's the situation with power, water, infrastructure, and so on? Well, it's it's a they're very good questions, and the way that I answer these questions usually is I, I take some comparables. There's a, a mine run by Peñoles called La Cienega, which is approximately 45, 50 kilometers to the south of us. They it's a similar type of project. It's polymetallic. It's got good gold values. They've been mining it at around 2,000 tons a day. Uh, they put into production about 15 years ago, and their capital costs to do that were around $75 million. And that was uh, bringing in power, building the town, the, the full cost of constructing their mill and, and putting it into operation. So 
if you look at that in today's numbers, I would say you're looking at you know the hundred million or over you know hundred million dollar type capital cost to put a project like ours into production. That is assuming an underground mine. Oh, it's an expensive business mining, isn't it? But very lucrative uh, if you have the have the ore to bring to the to a good market. <laughs> now tell us, I mean, there are so many junior exploration, junior development companies out there, and many of them in Mexico, which is a jurisdiction that I like because it's safe. But why should I buy Soho? The the main and very easy explanation of that is that we are undervalued in this current market, uh, extremely undervalued, especially with the resource. The resource numbers will speak for themselves. They give us a solid value. Anyone can walk through and calculate out those values. Um, and our stock price has been quite depressed, so there's an opportunity, easy opportunity to, to double or triple on this stock um, in the very near future, in my opinion. And then it's it's just it's just upward from there. We have lots of uh, exploration potential. We firmly believe we can add to this resource and work towards doubling in over the next year. Ralph, when I read drill results, sometimes it's uh, it's almost like gobbledygook to me. Can you? translate the, the your recent news what, what 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 does it what does it mean what's the value of the rock that you have well uh, just to to put that into perspective um if you look at our project we've we have drilled approximately 180 holes uh core drill holes uh we drilled 44 this year it equates to around 41,000 meters of both uh, core drilling and reverse circulation drilling since the start of drilling 2005. That brought us to our resource uh, today that we talked about earlier. If you look at the value of that resource, um, it approximates around $125 per ton, depending on what price of gold you're using. Gold has been beat up a bit today, but you know, uh, over the last few days, $125 per ton would be a reasonable estimate of the value of the rock in the ground. Now, what does it cost to mine those? Uh, traditionally in Mexico, in these underground mining situations, your mining cost and milling cost are approximately $50 per ton. So there's lots of room in this resource to make money on the stock. We're, we're doing very well with that. Ralph, as we close, why don't you, you give out your website address and your ticker symbol one more time? Thank you very much. The ticker symbol is SOH on the TSX Venture Exchange. And our website address is www.sohoresources.ca. Great. Ralph Shearing, one more question. Uh, what are your credit card details and your PIN number? <laughs> yeah, I'll send that one to you. <laughs> Ralph Shearing, thank you very much. Thank you. You're listening to Commodity Watch Radio with Dominic Frisbee. Talking to Michael Hampton, aka Dr. Bub. He's in Hong Kong, I'm in London, and Mike, you've just come back from Penang in Malaysia looking at properties out there. What what did you what did you find? Well it was interesting. I mean basically the Penang market has a lot of great long term potential. It's a cheap place to live. Property compared with London or Hong Kong is very cheap and I think very interesting. Uh, but uh, it looks like the market's peaking. Um, it's a very different market from Hong Kong. It's not transparent. 
it's very hard to know what's going on, you know, at this particular moment in time. People don't want to tell you very much. By that you mean you don't know what's selling and what's 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 not selling when you say it's not transparent. Well, you know, in in, in London and and even more so in Hong Kong, you have various indices you can look at. You know, in London it's delayed by what a few weeks. You know, you get last month's uh, number. Um, you know, in the middle of the month or the end of the month. Um, in Hong Kong, you get a weekly figure, so you got a pretty good idea what's going on. You know, in terms of prices. Whereas in Penang, you're in, in KL, you're really dependent on whatever the estate agent is going to tell you. And uh, my estate agent, after spending some time with him and getting to know him a bit, told me he'd sold all his properties. And was, uh, <laughs> right, it's, it's rare, to, rare to hear this from a estate agent, but he, he actually told me I should wait. Um, and then I met uh, the key research man for one of the big developing companies, and uh, he basically told me that um, they were doing very well with their existing projects. They had one in the pipeline, and they were looking to sell that. Now, you wouldn't be looking to sell off one of your projects in a kind of bull market. You'd be looking to sell it off if you were worried the market's about to tumble. Um, and then virtually every development we went to look at, uh, which were OCs, you know, occupancy certificates had been received already, um, Places, the places looked as if they were about 20% full. So, uh, and the really scary thing there is that um, the market is sort of set up in a way where the, the, the developers have very little risk. When they sell a property, um, the buyer pays 10%, and then he pays for it progressively as it's built. So over three years, he'll wind up paying for you know, 80 90% of the cost um, over the life of the building. And, uh, you know, basically the developer gets the money from the buyer as, as he needs it, including some of his profit margins. So there's no reason for the builders not to go on building because as soon as they sign up a deal with a the buyer, they, they're pretty sure they're going to get the money from him. And the buyers can't sell. That's the really worst part of it where, you know, the buyer um, buys today and, you know, off plan and, agrees to make these payments, provided most of the money by 80% by his bank, and he can't really sell out of that position until it's completed. So, you know, it's really scary. I have to say, Mike, you're not really selling it to me. <laughs> no, but, I mean, look, I, 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 I say all this, but one reason uh, I've taken time to understand this, and I think maybe we've got it right, we'll see, but I think two years from now when the market's really faced the worst and, you know, maybe you've seen a price bottom, that's going to be one of the really interesting markets to buy in. Mm -hmm. um, Penang, Penang wants to be the second Singapore. Um, they're doing their best to attract people from all over the world. It's a great place, great cheap and nice place to retire. The weather's nice. The food's good. Um, you can buy a condominium right on the beach. Um, so I think everybody should circle, you know, middle of 2010 or something is a great time to go and look at Penang, maybe even start looking earlier, because it might be a great place to live one day. The way you said the, sing the second Singapore has made me think, think of a wonderful Boris Johnson line, uh, which I'm just trying to find. Just bear with me one second, Mike, while I try. Sure. But, I mean, I, um, while you're doing that, maybe uh, I just comment that I was amazed to uh, read in the papers in Padang a couple of days ago that Boris Johnson had been elected the new mayor of London. What amazed you about that? I mean, it's a hell of an achievement for a Tory to win in, to win in London, in my opinion. But uh, what, why were you so amazed? 
Well, I was amazed because I haven't been in London uh, apart from a brief time in November in almost a year. And, uh, I mean, I was kind of expecting Brown's popularity to fade, but it must have faded to a very considerable degree from what it was last summer. You know, they had even fewer votes than uh, the Lib Dems across the country. Lib Dems That's had 25 percent, uh, Labour had 24. Well, I don't know how much we want to go into politics on these things, probably not too much, but, I mean, I think a lot of Labour's uh, success with votes around it, inverted commas around it, um, a lot of Labour's success really was based upon two things, and the public's now seeing through that. One, one was a, you know, sort of feeding a property boom, and obviously that's over and the market's in full, full tilt on the downside now. And the other thing is the state hiring. There's been a massive hiring by the public sector and, uh, in a recession, that's going to be very painful because, uh, you know, the, the taxes, uh, revenues are going to go down in a recession and, you know, the, unproductive government sector is still going to be there to feed. So yeah. um, I'm not very optimistic about the UK over the next one or two, three years. <laughs> 20. Um, <laughs> <laughs> listen, uh, here's uh, the Boris quote, because I think it's, it's wonderful. Um, if Amsterdam or Leningrad vie for the title of Venice of the North, then Venice, what compliment is high enough? Venice, with all her civilization and ancient beauty, Venice, with her addiction to curious aquatic means of transport. Yes, my friends, Venice is the Henley of the South. <laughs> That's quite an image, the Henley of the South. Oh, dear. <laughs> Wonderful. You know he's the MP for Henley, or he was once upon a time. Anyway, um, so you were away, and so you've probably your fingers are off the pulse a bit, and you've come back, but uh, as your fingers returning to the pulse, what, what, what do you make of the markets as we see them? Well, I mean, I, I, the first thing I noticed was that gold had come down and touched, in fact, you know, I think briefly intraday or something, exceeded 850, so it's touched 850, which was my ideal target. It's now rallied off that. We're back, uh, as we speak, we're back. Uh, gold's around about, uh, here it is, 872 spot 6. Uh, here in here in Hong Kong, um, so price-wise, it's done exactly what it what I wanted it to do. Um, now I looked at the volumes this morning, and I don't like the volumes. Uh, the low was made on lighter volume than the prior lows, which is good. Um, but now the rally off the low has been a lighter still. So that suggests to me that we might have to go back down. Um, so I'm watching that. I think the the, the rally we've seen here to 872, you know, even price-wise, you know, hasn't hasn't shown us the bottoms in place yet. It might be, but I guess ideally we'd come back down and even even lighter volume and touch that uh, 850 level one more time. And then where do you see it going to before? If you were to put a target where it would turn and go back and retest, where where would you put that target? Oh, 850. No, I mean, sorry, if it was to kind of go up to. 880 and then go back down and retest 850 or around these levels i mean if, if uh, i think if if we see it back um if we see it back above 900 uh, and there's any kind of volume decent volume on that rally then that's a sign we've seen the low already now mind you i i i bought some stocks i bought some stocks some yesterday i can talk about that later um but i mean it's not too early to have you know reached in your pocket and pulled the trigger a few times i mean i think i'd probably you know, I'm pretty close to fully invested anyway, but I'd probably be, um, 
looking to be want to be at least half invested, maybe two thirds, three quarters invested by now. Um, if you're betting on this 850 level, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I would hold back on that last bit and see what happens. Uh, could it be that the volume was lighter because uh, it's bank holiday here in the UK? Yeah, but the market needs to tell us it's really turned by bringing in some conviction. I and see. We haven't seen that. Now, I have to say, Mike, um, I my view of the gold market is I think we've kind of had our move for now, and we're going to see a year of sideways action with a slight upward bias. I think we've got a kind of repeat of... Um, 2006 2007 ahead of us but in that time the junior mining stocks did better than gold and that's because the stock markets were going up and like you've said before mining stocks kind of half behave like the stock market and they half behave like the commodity and and you know the junior miners have been going down recently because the stock market's been going down that's why they've been underperforming gold if you like so I see the stock markets have six months or so of, of positive action, and I see the miners and the commodity stocks in general being the best performers within that bullish stock market action. What do you make of that? Yeah, that's possible. Uh, maybe maybe we could both uh, both be right if we see gold rally back to a thousand or so, and then uh, come back here to eight fifty, making a huge ABC. Mm-hmm. Uh, with you know the A being around here somewhere, then a B back at a thousand, and then C a final C back to eight fifty or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's very plausible. I see the B uh, at nine sixty. Okay, well that's a nice precise number. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't object. Uh, I wouldn't object to that if it got to nine sixty and got tired there, uh, and the volume on the, on the on the way up there was light. Then that's a very it's a very nifty scenario and would give us a nice picture and. Yes, I think um, if the general stock market rallies, there's room for some improvement in uh, – in, uh, no, I, I'd like to just bring in a couple of other things on this mm-hmm. scenario. I think they're interesting. Um, let's talk about currencies. Um, I'm, I've got a chart of the dollar, which I'll post, which I'm looking at here now. and We've seen a nice ABC rally off the low on the dollar, and I'm talking the trade-weighted dollar here, where the low was mid-March. It was about 71 um, there was a little rally uh, to 73 or so, and then drifted back towards that 71. Never got to, quite to the bottom, and now we've had a C rally off that low. And the, you know, the market's getting excited, saying the dollar has turned. Um, now I see very strong resistance. Um, we may have seen the top of this little rally already, but I, I think probably could edge back up towards 70, 73 and a half, 74. But I see strong resistance up there around about 74. And uh, if it fails to break above that on decent volume, uh, the dollar is going to go back down. So, you know, my worry is that if the dollar drops on rapid, uh, on a rapid um, fall, um, that might force the Fed to, well, it might, the markets might force long-term interest rates up. And I think that's what's really going to kill any rally in the stock market. So if you believe in that scenario, you better have another eye one eye in the stock market and another eye in the bond market because uh, that bond market might kill your equity rally. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And another currency to watch, by the way, is the yen because um, the yen's you know made this uh, move uh, down below 100 and now it's uh, it's weakening back up again. 
Um, I think the yen is the sort of hypercurrency, you know, maybe to some extent the renminbi, but the yen is a very important currency to watch because people were, you know, taking off their carry trades. Um, they're putting them back on now. They're buying stocks and they're financing them in yen, and that's working at the moment. So um, if the yen continues to lose strength, um, that's bullish for the markets. So I'm still long the uh, the Japanese market. I got in a bit too early, but those trades are now in profit again, uh, just. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's um, looking like there might be some further upside here in these Asian stock markets as well. Okay, Mike. Well, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure. Do you want to give out the name of the uh, the website where people can find the chart? Exactly. I'll post some of the charts there. GlobalEdgeInvestors.com Good stuff. Michael Hampton, thank you very much. Commodity Watch Radio is presented and produced by Dominic Frisbee for Mindsight with music by Manolo Camp. To discuss the markets and have your say, why not visit our bulletin board at GlobalEdgeInvestors.com That's GlobalEdgeInvestors.com